Welcome to Silly History. I'm Matt Pekarski. I love funny stories, especially when they come from real life. I've compiled a long list of true tales that made me laugh, and now I want to share them with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff historical figures did or said, and yet we've never heard about them. History class would have been a lot more interesting with some of these sprinkled in here and there. Not that I ever disliked learning history. Hopefully there's at least a couple of yarns you haven't heard before. Let's hear one now. William George Crush gave the signal with his hat. All eyes were on him, but he was confident that nothing would go wrong. His engineers told him so. Anticipating a crowd of 20,000 people, he determined this location just north of Waco, Texas, to be the perfect spot. The three neighboring hills formed a natural amphitheater for spectators to easily watch. This was going to be an all-day event, too, and with nothing in the surrounding area to keep the audience comfortable, fed, and manageable, William got creative and assembled a makeshift town, naming it after himself. He drilled wells for water and borrowed a circus tent from the Ringling Brothers, under which people could dine. There was a carnival midway, filled with game booths, medicine shows, and lemonade stands. Two hundred constables were hired for crowd control, and a wooden jail was constructed for them to contain the rabble-rousers. For two dollars, Texans could buy tickets to ride the Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad, commonly known as the Katy Railroad, and be transported to the event from anywhere in the state. Yep, everything had been planned to the T. William worked for the Katy Railroad, and this little big idea was nothing more than a publicity stunt to entice new passengers to jump aboard. The company was financially struggling thanks to the Panic of 1893, when the United States entered a four-year economic depression. They needed a way to persuade people to ride their trains again. William was tasked to come up with a scheme, and now he was personally watching the whole thing come to fruition. It was turning out to be a bigger deal than he anticipated. The deal proved to be too good to turn down. The place was swarming with people on the day of the event. Along with the 20,000 spectators William calculated would attend, over 20,000 more showed up, more than doubling what he anticipated. For a couple of hours on September 15, 1896, his temporary little town was the second largest city in Texas. Around 5 p.m., William jumped onto his horse and took his position to give the signal. Everyone watched and waited with fervent anticipation. He waved his hat, and two engineers standing in opposing locomotives yanked back their throttle levers as far as they could. The trains lurched forward, each pulling six railcars with advertisements painted on the sides. Once the trains were in motion, the engineers leapt to their safety. Smoke rose from the stacks of the 32-ton engines as they chugged down the four-mile-long track, slowly building speed until they were barreling towards one another at 50 miles per hour. Everyone ceased to breathe for a split second when the bright green and brilliant red steel missiles collided. Then what Williams' engineers guaranteed wouldn't happen, did. Both boilers exploded at the same time, creating a unified, catastrophic explosion. Steel shrapnel and shards of wood were shot into the air and raining down on the crowd. Watching from a distance of 200 yards, they were supposed to be safe from any harm. But that was only if the locomotives hadn't blown up. For some, the day didn't end very well. At least two people were killed and more were injured. William was fired on the spot, 
But as the company reached out to everyone who attended the ill-conceived stunt, they were surprised to learn that the majority of event-goers were still thoroughly entertained. Apparently, the show was a bigger hit than they concluded, so William got his job back. This wasn't the first train crash performed for entertainment purposes, and wouldn't be the last. In fact, crashing trains would become a popular American pastime for nearly four decades. A man named Joe, a.k.a. Head-on Joe Connolly, put on over 70 wrecks between 1896 and 1932, crashing more than 146 locomotives. His eagerness to smash started way back when he was a little boy. Even then, he clearly knew that running trains into other trains was his destiny. The first wrecky stage was held just a week before the infamous Crash at Crush, with thousands in attendance. The success of the show gave him the credibility he needed to turn his hobby into a profession. He traveled all over the country orchestrating wrecks, each one more elaborate than the last. Dynamite was strapped to locomotives and freight cars were filled with gasoline and hot coals. People loved watching the controlled explosions. Crashing trains as a spectator sport finally started to lose steam during the Great Depression when it seemed wasteful to destroy old but well-functioning locomotives. The last time a crash was held as a main event occurred in 1935. Still, our fascination with them hasn't diminished. Just pick from a long selection of movies and television shows that feature one. Not into trains? How about demolition derbies or monster truck rallies? Or watching something of any size blown up with dynamite? No matter how sophisticated the human race can become, we will always love a good wrecking. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, Silly History Story. This show is a Night Owl production and made possible thanks to donations by you, the listener.